just looking in my notes to see if I have anything that I wanted to share. I think I lost a page. Hmm. Oh, I know. I was looking for the Catherine Booth thing. And so... <laughs> Okay, so I think, I think these are all in correct order. So anyway, as I started saying at the beginning of service, the, the days of awe fall between Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur. And the whole point in this is, again, sort of as kind of like a little, a mini copy of the month of Elul, where we come before the Lord with, um, you know, asking him, to reveal any hidden sin in our lives so that we can confess, we can we repent, we confess, and we, you know, again, we call on the power of the Spirit of the living God to um, enable us to have victory over the, the sin that so easily ensnares us. I think that's in the scriptures. Um, so, as I said earlier, um, as I was pondering this this 10-day period and this time of preparation, um, I, I shared earlier in the message that, I mean, earlier in the service that when I reflect on my believer's life and probably all of us, we would say that all of our life, whether it's the month of Elul, the 10 days of all, we are always in a mode of preparation because that preparation, the process of preparation is seeking God in his word, understanding what we said earlier in Ephesians, what the will of God is for us. And the will of God for us is to be more like his son. So in order for us to be more like his son, we need to know where are the places in our life that we are not like Yeshua, where we need the power of Ruach to come in and enable us to walk in holiness because that is that's a process that's never finished we are all um you know we never arrive like rabbi judy used to say we are always arriving it's a process and and if any of you have ever read the complete jewish bible everything is always in the present tense um like, you know, we are arriving. We are being transformed. It's not a transformation once and done. Um, it's a renew, a constant renewing of our mind. There's always that action verb. It's never anything in the past tense or like this is completed. And that's one of the reasons why I love the complete Jewish Bible, the, um, especially the Jewish New Testament, because of the way that it is translated. And so... Um, one of the things I ask myself when I reflect on last year's 10 days of awe, I think I ask myself, well, how have I changed in the past year? Well, there's an obvious change, but it has nothing to do with righteousness. And uh, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I, I got married. So that's a change. But even that, I find, is an adjustment that I need God's help and God's guidance and direction. Because, you know, I was used to kind of doing my own thing and having my own way. And so I, I've, I've had to let the Lord speak to me about, 
you know, not really being the boss. And so um, that's been a process, as everything is a process. So I guess in a way, the change in my status over the last year is also a challenge for me spiritually so that, you know, I walk in the ways of the Lord and not in my own way and wanting my own way because I was used to having my own way and doing my own thing. So that ended up being, you know, a, a little part of my testimony. But, but beyond that, you know, my, my question to myself is, is my prayer life different? than it was a year ago? Am I closer to the Lord than I was a year ago? Um, are my relationships with other people improving? Or are, are they kind of in that, oh, I don't know, I guess everybody, yeah, everybody here would know. Remember the old vinyl records? Remember when it would skip? Okay, and it would, like, it would say the same thing, you know, sing the same couple of words over and over and over again. You might be too young to know about this. But, you, had, you know, there was a needle. There was a needle on the, the record, and if you had a scratch or, or something stuck in the groove, you know, it would just kind of like say the same words over and over again. And, you know, that's a perfect picture of us. Sometimes we get stuck in the groove, don't we? We get stuck in the groove and we kind of repeat the same sins over and over again because we're stuck in the groove and we're stuck in the groove of relationships that are not what they could be and not what they should be. And so that's a little reminder to us. Like if you want to get out a vinyl album and see if it still plays or if it skips, maybe you ought to stop it and say, Lord, where are those relationships? that need your touch, that need my attention, where I don't, want, I don't want relationships to be the way they always were. I want them to be better. I want them to be godly. I want them to be loving. I want them to be forgiving. So in that way, we can kind of assess our relationships since last year. And another question that I had asked myself is, you know, what do my thoughts center on? When I'm, when I'm just hanging out, where do my thoughts go to? What's the default of my thoughts? Is it the Lord? Is it his word? Is it prayer? Or is it stuff? There, there was a... Um, that song Ascend um, talks about not being, not worshiping the idols of this world. And sometimes our thought life, we don't, we don't think of it in terms of the idols of this world, but when we default to stuff and kind of being stuck in the groove again, you know, of our minds defaulting to the same thing. And I even wrote down, because I, I should know it by heart because I think about it a lot, um, here's what our thoughts should center on. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, 
if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, what? Think on these things. So default does not necessarily have to be scripture, although that's a wonderful default. But there are other things that we can think about. You know, how, how can I bless my neighbor? How can I bless um, my coworker? There are so many things that we can default to where it can change us as an individual. When our minds go to those places of, I'm going to do this, this, and this today, Lord. How can I bless people along my journey? How can I improve my attitude about doing these things? So it, it's, it's a constant, you know, kind of never-changing list that we go through, not just this time of year, but prayerfully every day of our believer's life, where we can, you know, give this to the Lord, ask him to burn away all that is not of him, and then allow us to see what remains. And when we know what he's burning up, then we know where we need the power of his spirit to have victory. Um, one of the other things that, our, that I had mentioned in an email that I sent to everyone this week was about, you know, our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And because our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we are assured of forgiveness for our sins because we know that our sins are forgiven by the blood of the Lamb of God, Messiah Yeshua. However, it's, again, that's not like a once and done sort of thing. As believers, we are encouraged to live in a mode of confession and repentance. And in 1 John 1, 9, the scripture tells us if we are faithful to confess our sins, God is faithful to, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all iniquity. So this, this is part of who we are. We, we don't, I was talking to somebody this week who was kind of struggling with that concept of having their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and saying, well, but I'm not, I still sin. And I said, well, we all still sin. But as believers, we know our sins are forgiven. We don't rest in that. We ask for the grace of God and the power of God to overcome those sins and to walk in righteousness and to walk in holiness. And again, it is a, it is a daily challenge for all of us as believers. So uh, again, the, the idea of confession and repentance should be our lifestyle and not just saved for this time of year. Well, you know, we got to hurry up and you know, think about all those things and confess all those things and, and pray for God's forgiveness. Sadly, sadly, our brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith, this is what they go through this week. They are busy making amends. They are busy um, asking forgiveness of family, friends, co-workers, whatever, of 
you know, things that they may have said or done that were not righteous before God. And even with these 10 days of awe, you know, all the introspection, all the reflection of their lives in the past year, and they can make all the amends they want. They can go to their friends, go to their, their um, neighbors, their, you know, their family, and ask forgiveness and make things right. Still, there is no assurance of salvation. It's only the assurance that for now, for this year, you're good. It has nothing to do with blood, but everything to do with the traditions of men, and the idea that we can earn our own salvation. I'm going to speak a lot about the blood of Messiah on Monday because we, when we observe Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the day of covering, it really isn't about Yeshua's death on the cross. That's already done. That was Passover. What Yom Kippur is, is the appearance, the judgment appearance before God. Do you have the blood? Do you have the atonement? That's what that's all about. That's not something that's been fulfilled. Not yet. Not until that day of judgment comes. And we are found either with the blood covering or without the blood covering. And I, I heard something very interesting. I actually read something very interesting on the rabbi's forum. They were, it, there was a, um, you know, a, a communication about Rosh Hashanah slash Yom Teruah. And there was a lot of communication about the sounding of the shofar. And one rabbi said something that we all know, but to see it in print and to be reminded of it is a very awesome type of thing in in the sense that he said once that shofar sounds it's too late and so at the sound of the shofar you really need your blood covering then it's not something that happens at yom kippur and i a very wise person told me years ago that unless you celebrate fully the understanding and meaning of Pesach. You really cannot celebrate any of the rest of the holidays because none of them will make sense to you. Without the blood covering, without the blood of the Lamb over our hearts, it's, like, it's the same as the, the, the lintel over the doorposts of the houses of the people who slayed the, slew the lamb, took the hyssop, dipped it in the blood, and put the blood over the doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over. So we have in our understanding the picture of Yeshua, who on that tree of sacrifice... His blood was all over that tree. And he is the Lamb of God. And that it is because of his sacrifice that the angel of death passes over us. We understand that, correct? So once we understand that, 
then we can fully understand and celebrate all the rest of the feast. So um, having, having said that, there's an element uh, in Yom Kippur that is glossed over in not just Judaism, but in much of the church today, and that is the blood. Because nobody likes to talk about blood. Blood is awful. We are a people of peace. Peace. Love. No blood. Well, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So, Monday, if you don't like to hear about blood, you won't like the message. Anyway, where, where was I? So this is what the prophet Joel commands to the children of Israel. I'm reading just verse 13, and I'm reading it from the complete Jewish Bible. And this also is read in the synagogues during this week. Tear your heart or rend your heart and not your garments and turn to Adonai your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in grace, and he is willing to change his mind about disaster. That's the translation in the complete Jewish Bible. He is willing to change his mind. He changes his mind when we change our minds. He changes his mind when we as individuals change our minds about Yeshua. He is willing to change his mind when a nation changes their mind about Yeshua. One of the scriptures that was on my heart this week as I was preparing this message was, return to me and I will return to you. And I, I looked that up and it's in Malachi 3.7. And I'm just going to read Malachi 3.7. And again, I'm reading it from the complete Jewish Bible. The Lord says, since the days of your forefathers, you have turned from my laws and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says Adonai Tzvaot, the Lord of heaven's armies. And as I pondered that, I realized that we have a new covenant counterpart to that. And we find it in the book of Yaakov, the book of James, where we read, draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. And you've heard me say this before, if we take one step towards the Lord, he takes this giant leap towards us, and he engulfs us and overwhelms us with his goodness and his mercy. In fact, I want to read the whole, um, I'm reading from Yaakov, James 4, 7 through 9. It begins with, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Have you ever noticed that when you resist temptation, when you resist the enemy, from, when you resist the enemy and the temptation that he tries to dangle in front of us, 
when we take that one step of resistance, that the Lord floods us with courage and grace to be able to say, no. We take that one step of resisting, whether it's a voice, whether it's a picture, whatever it is, we take that one step to resist and God comes running for us with his mercy, with his power, with the ability to overcome sin and temptation. It says, draw near, come, and the complete Jewish Bible says, come close to God and he will come close to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Because when we are repentant, God pours out his love and forgiveness upon us. And then he turns our mourning into dancing. He turns our gloom to joy. One of, the, um, one of the readings that I did this week that had to do with messianic, a messianic observance of the 10 days of awe had to do with returning to God. And it comes from Revelation, returning to our first love, Revelation 2. And I'm reading this from the complete Jewish Bible. It says, To the angel of the Messianic community in Ephesus, write this. Here is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold menorahs. I know what you have been doing, how hard you have worked, how you have persevered, and how you can't stand wicked people. So you tested those who call themselves emissaries but aren't, and you found them to be liars. You are persevering, and you have suffered for my sake without growing weary. But I have this against you. You have lost the love that you had at first. This is also translated in this way. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. I started thinking about when I came to faith, how excited I was. I could not get enough of the Lord. I joined three Bible studies. I mean, I, I joined three different Bible studies. They met one day a week. So I was going to three Bible studies a week. I could not get enough of the Lord. I also felt that I had to make up for lost time because I was 32 years old. I felt like I knew nothing. But I was so excited about the Lord. And not that I'm, I'm excited about him in a different way now. It's not that new excitement um, when you find a love, like a love in this world, there's an excitement. You can't wait to talk to that person, be with that person. But it's the same in the kingdom. And that should only increase. But as we all know, we grow complacent. And we grow used to the things of God. They're not as like 
bam, as they used to be. And part of returning to our first love is to reclaim that excitement and reclaim that kind of bam effect of reading the scripture and having God reveal something to us in a scripture that we've read over and over and over again, but he shows us something new and different in that same scripture. And how excited we are when we see that. We can hardly contain ourselves. That's the kind of excitement we should have every day. And it's not always there. But God says if we, if we return to our first love, if we go back to that excitement, that that pleases the Lord, and that he will rekindle that fire in our belly, that fire in our spirit. Um, so I think of all of us individually that, you know, and I'm not judging anyone, I can only judge myself, and I know that every day I, I need that, that kind of excitement in returning to my first love. And I, I've gotten to the place where I kind of sit and wait for God to reveal something new to me no matter what it is, and, and it could be in the, the Lord's Prayer that we say every week, but if God shows me one new thing, I get so excited about just a word, just a word, and looking up the definition of a word that transforms my thinking. It's so exciting, and this is what the Lord would like to see us as the body of Messiah doing in this week, returning to our first love, being excited about him again. And in the midst of being excited about him and returning to our first love, not to forget our brethren, our, our Jewish brethren, who are only hoping and praying that their name could be written in the book of life. Their hope is a cross-your-fingers kind of hope. Our hope is that anchor of our soul that we read in Scripture. We have that sure hope that does not disappoint and does not fail. And so as we wrap up this service, I really do want to just take the next five minutes and just pray for Israel. Pray for the Jewish people. Pray for the local synagogues um, here in Yardley and Newtown and the synagogues where you live. Beth Chaim in West Windsor. Beth El in, um, in East Windsor. We all have synagogues in our neighborhoods. And I, I, I grieve for the people who sit in the synagogues on Yom Kippur and all they can do is hope that God will be merciful and write their names in the book of life. So Father, we do want to lift up, particularly this week, particularly this week, Lord. We lift up our Jewish brethren, Lord. I, I, I know the joy in knowing that my name is written in the book of life. But I also know, Lord, that it does mean that there is a standard that you expect me to live by. If I bear your name, you want me to look like Yeshua. So I, I never rest on 
the fact that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But my heart grieves for, for our people, Lord, who will be in the synagogues, whether they're in the synagogue today for Shabbat Shuvah, they'll be in the synagogue on Monday for Yom Kippur with no assurance of their name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So, Father, I pray that you would unveil their eyes. I think of a time, and it was on Harvest Day, when I spoke with a Jewish woman, and I told her about Isaiah 53, and her response to me was, I have to ask my rabbi. Well, I already knew what the rabbi would speak to her about Isaiah 53. And I remember a book that Sid Roth wrote, They Thought for Themselves. And it's all about, I had to think for myself. I had to think for myself to embrace the truth. Lord, I pray that there would be such a move of your spirit over every synagogue in Yardley, every synagogue in Newtown, every synagogue, Lord, in this 25-mile area, Lord, that Lion of Judah, you know, we have people from 25 miles around here. I think down the shore in Point Pleasant, the synagogues in that area. I think in Ben Salem, the synagogues in that area. I think in Cranberry and East Windsor and West Windsor, the synagogues in that area, Lord. I lift up, I lift up these rabbis to you, Lord. And I pray that even now on Shabbat Shuvah, you would be revealing to them, Lord, the truth of your word that there would be an excitement within them, Lord, and a humility within them, Lord, to say, we got it wrong. Yeshua is the promised Messiah. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is the only atonement for our sins. Is this mic on? Or should I turn it on? If it's okay. If there's anybody who would like to pray, I don't want my voice to be the only voice praying. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can be together and pray for our brothers and sisters. Yes, Lord, Lord I've been watching on YouTube the silicote of the, mm. of the uh, men, because they separate the men from the women in Israel. And, and thousands of people come together to pray for their sin, as, mm. as Rabbi Peggy said. And every year they have to do this. And mm. it, it's a beautiful time for them. It, it's beautiful to see all those people praying. The women are on the outskirts praying also. And I saw some that had lifted up their hands to worship God during this prayer time. But what part of the year have they fallen short? And then what if they died at that point of the year and they hadn't confessed again their sin? Mm -hmm. Like that, I don't understand. So, Lord, we're grateful for Yeshua yes. and the blood that he shed for us, for our redemption we thank you, Yeshua, that you were a good and, and great yes. God for us. Yes, Lord. And that 
we don't have to keep uh, making that um, uh, that time of going to Israel to confess our sin mm -hmm. with thousands of people. We can confess in the privacy of our home, of our room, wherever we may be, in the car, in the supermarket, if we think we have sinned, and we know that your blood will cover all of our sin. So we are grateful to you each and every day for what you have done. And, and one more little thing. The other day I was thinking about, and, and I know all of us think this way, and it may not be right, but it's just human nature to say, why God? Why are the children sick? Why are children dying? Why are they being apprehended? But I thought after I th thought those words, Yeshua gave his life. His father didn't keep him back and, and say, I'm not going to give my son for the redemption of the people. He gave his only son for us. Thank and you, for Lord. our sin. Thank you. And if he could make that great of a sacrifice, I don't know the answer to my question, but I know what God did for us in yes. giving his only son. Yes. And, and someday, and maybe part of the answer is it's a sinful world and we live in a sinful world, but it made me feel better to know that God and reminded me that God gave his only son his yes. precious son for yes. the for our sake and our sin thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord thank you thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord bless your name bless your name thank you lord Thank you, Lord. So we do pray, Father, for your mercy upon all of Israel. We pray, Lord, that this would be the year that the scales would fall from their eyes, Lord, that they would look upon him whom they have pierced and that they would weep and mourn for him as for a firstborn son. That's what your word says. And there will be a day, Lord, there will be a day when they will recognize, they will recognize the son of David, the promised Messiah, Yeshua. We pray that that day would come quickly, Lord. We pray, Father, for the salvation of all of Israel, scattered throughout all of the world, O oh God. Let it be this year, Lord. Let it be now. Let it be on this Shabbat Shuvah, Lord, as they seek your forgiveness. Let them see the blood-stained hands. Let them see the crown of thorns and let them recognize that that is the one who died on their behalf. The Isaiah 53, suffering servant who alone can take away our sins. So we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Father, for your mercy. We bless you, Lord, that each one of us here has experienced your mercy, your love, and your forgiveness. And I pray, Father, that as we purpose in our hearts, O oh God, to be the reflection of your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness, we pray for the power of your Ruach moving in each one of us, Lord, 
to be a picture of your son. And it is not by might, it is not by power, but only by your spirit, O oh God, that we are able. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen.